Jonah chapter 1. I want to ask this question before we get into the story. We haven't been to Jonah in years. I think it's like five years since we've visited Jonah, and Jonah's just fun. Um, But I want to ask this question just to have it hanging over there before we even start. Like, what are you building? What are you building and why? What's your life building? Um, We've been walking with several friends who are just honestly just making stupid decisions. (laughs) That's all I can say. It's just they've hit midlife. My husband and I were 46 now. It's old. 1972. Yeah, we were born like a month apart. So they've hit midlife and they're just, I don't know, they've lost their minds. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, what happened to you? What, what happened to you? Have you had those? You have spent 40, 30, however many years, I'm doing what friend it is, building something. It's good. And you are about to blow it all up. How many of you, have, you know what I'm talking about? You are about to blow everything up for stupid like, sin makes you stupid. Have you, sin makes you stupid. Stupid. I'm just going to say it again. Sin makes you stupid. All the while thinking you're super wise and everyone around you is like, no, stupid. <laughs> so what are you building and why are you building it? For some of my friends, they've actually been building the right stuff. But I'm not sure Why? Because they're ready to blow it up pretty fast. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can even be doing the Jesus stuff. If you're not doing it because you have the heart of the Father, guess what? It's kind of yucky. It won't produce good fruit in your life if you're not doing it because you have the heart of the Father. You could apply your energy to anything and try to grow it, make a success of it. But man, unless the Lord builds the house, we are laboring in vain. We can have any kind of markers of success we want on our marriage, on our kids, on our friendships, on church, on whatever we do. But man, what is the Father doing? That's what I want to be doing. And that may not look like what anybody thinks it should look like at any given season in your life. How many of you know I'm talking about? Three of us are like, yes. <laughs> Some of you, we've talked through things. Maybe you've come and talked with me. Either the first or second question I ask every single time is, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Like, one, we want to measure, what does the word say about this? That's the most important thing. What does the word say about this? My second question is usually, so what's the Holy Spirit speaking? So now we have the baseline of the word, what it says. What's the Holy Spirit saying? Because honestly, if he's not doing it, don't do it. If he's not taking you there, don't. How many of you are with, like, do you think I should do this or that? I don't know. What's the Holy Spirit saying? Should I say this or that? I wouldn't say anything he's not saying. I wouldn't not say something he's telling you to say. Like, how many of you know, like, I don't know what we're building. If it's not like, Father, what's your heart? Now how do we join you in what you're doing? So I'm just laying it out there. Every single day has a chance to produce something. What are you building? What are you doing? 
And are you doing nothing? Is there no fruit? I'm surprised, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but more and more running into people where honestly they're just counting out their days. Just counting out their days. Filled with activity, producing nothing. So I just want that question. What are you, what are you building and why are you building it? Because we run into this guy named Jonah. And Jonah is called to be a prophet. He is called to preach the word. He is called to reveal God to people, right? And he's one of the most righteous dudes in Israel. And he's really good at what he does. He has all the markers of success, right? But I'm not sure why he was doing what he was doing. Because God invites him into the greatest revival recorded in history, and he despises it because it wasn't his way and it wasn't who he wanted to go to. It wasn't what he was doing. I, that's a real, I'm, come on. Okay. Jonah, chapter one, verses one through four. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because his wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. There's so many problems in just those four verses, right? (laughs) So Jonah the prophet, go prophesy to this great city of Nineveh. Uh, what's the problem with Nineveh? It would be, yeah, Nineveh. So it's, a gr- it's one of the great cities of ancient times. But, I mean, they're like evil pagan people. They're rough, violent, terrible people. It's like God says, hey, Casey Wells, I want to I wanna, I wanna take you to ISIS you're going to preach to the most violent Muslims in the world. No guarantees. And here's your message, Casey. <laughs> Casey, your message is, hey, ISIS, you're wicked. And the Lord hates what you do. That's your sermon, Casey. <laughs> right? You might have some second thoughts about that. So Jonah's like, no way. So he's like, I'm going to go to Tarshish. Oh, and look it. Providentially, there's a ship ready to go. That must mean I'm right. Because everything's lining up. (laughs) God has said this, but look how these things are lining up for me to do what I want to do actually instead. Um, How many of you know that God will let you walk on the road of your choice for a while? (laughs) But in the end, God's going to have his way. (laughs) God doesn't stop Jonah. Jonah finds a ship. Oh, look at this must be this must be okay with God because, oh, there's a ship ready to go. Right where I want to go. 
Just because you're able to go forward in a road doesn't mean it's God's road. Just because you're able to go forward on a road doesn't mean it's right. Just because God is silent at this point doesn't mean he's changed his mind. He's already told you. He has done told you what to do. And we can find all kinds of signs, right? I mean, God spoke this, or his word says this. But look at, all these things are lining up, so he must be okay with that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How we, we fool ourselves. Here's the thing we want, and so we'll tell ourselves a bunch of stupid stuff. Well, and if he wasn't okay with it, he'd stop me. He already told you what to do. Things will not go well for you on the wrong road for long. They might for a minute. Come on. They might for a minute. Sin will be pleasurable for a season. And then the season turns. And it's worse than you could have ever imagined the next season that comes. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death. That's the Bible says. It'll look good for a while. This is why we've got to preach the gospel to our hearts. Right? What is the gospel? Jesus Christ, good news that Jesus Christ died for my sins because my heart is desperately wicked. <laughs> and I have been doing it my way. And it's only bringing more brokenness. But Jesus has made a way to cover my sins, restore me to right relationship with God. And how do I gain salvation? Surrender. All my control has to die. And now I surrender his way, not my way. Your way, not my way. You've got to preach that gospel to your heart all the time. Jeremiah, um, he's a pretty frustrated prophet. Jeremiah 17, he says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Come on. My heart just tells me, I need this. My heart said, go this way. Listen. Mm. If your spirit's not in agreement with what your heart or your feelings are telling you, then you need to put your spirit in charge. Come on. Feelings are a good indicator light. They're not a good driver. Right? In your car, you've got an indicator light. They're, my, they're a good indicator light. You know, when, you're not, when, you're, when your feelings are shut up, you might want to stop and say, what's going on? Is something broken? It needs to get fixed. But feelings are a terrible driver of the car. Jeremiah says this in context about our hearts. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green. And will, he will not be anxious in the year of drought nor cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind even to give every man according to his ways. Who knows my heart better than I do? The Lord. Come on. You've got to preach this to your heart. Jonah has, Jonah immediately, he gets a word from the Lord, go preach to the Ninevites. I hate them. No. Right? He has a visceral reaction to 
God's direction for his life. And he says, I will go this way instead. And he's preached a lot of sermons for God. He probably figures, I've done enough for you. You'll give me this, what do you call it? Ow, what's that from? What's the golf term? Mulligan. He'll give me this mulligan. There's like five sports metaphors. We're like, well, it could be a strike. It could be a... He'll give me this mulligan. Come on. How many of you have been there? I have counted all the things I have done for you. Therefore, Lord, you will give me this mulligan. I am not the only one in the room. Come on. It's just like the elder brother and the prodigal son story. If you're not familiar with it, there's two brothers. One says, Dad, I want, I want my stuff. I want money from you, but I don't want you. See ya. Takes the money. The elder brother works every day, works hard, works hard, works hard. But the father exercises his will and says, hey, we're going to give a party for your brother who's come home. And he's like, ah, oh, this is my stuff. Ha-ah. Uh-uh. He was as lost as the younger brother. But he was using his good works as leverage against God. The younger brother just wanted to go sin. The elder brother was lost, but he was lost in all of his goodness. Look at all the good things I do. Therefore, you will do what I want you to do, God. Therefore, God, you will give me this thing. Therefore, God, you will give me that boyfriend. You will give me that job. Come on. You will give me this thing I want because I have done all this good. Neither of, the young, neither of the brothers had the heart of the father. The elder brother wasn't working for the father out of love for the father. It was leverage against the father for his stuff, just like the pagan younger brother. Come on. Jonah has decided, listen, I don't like that word. My flesh reacts against it. My heart says, go to Tarshish. My heart says, be free, right? Man, his heart's deceitfully wicked. When your heart opposes the word of the Lord for your life, it's wicked. When your heart opposes the way of the Lord, it is wicked. So if you're a believer in the house, you've made Jesus Lord, here's what you do. When your heart opposes the way of the Lord, you tell your heart you've already been crucified with Christ. Stay dead. You only get to be alive to alert the things of God. (laughs) Okay. Verse four. Then the Lord sent a great wind. So God's silent. I got in the boat. Must be okay. Mm -mm. Verse four. The Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Hmm. And they begin to say, the gods are angry. Because these are pagans. These guys don't know the Lord. These sailors. They say, the gods must be angry. Let's figure out who they're mad at. And guess what? They go through all these pagan ways of divining it. And guess what? Even though these ways are not the ways of God, God gives up Jonah. (laughs) It's Jonah. Jonah is the reason we're in this trouble. Here's the deal. When you belong to God, 
everybody else can sail in the wrong direction and be fine. <laughs> but when you belong to God, what others get away with, you will not be able to get away with. Come on. Other people can go ahead toward Tarshish and they can be drinking and being crazy on the way and get there just fine. Not you. Not you. Because you have been bought with a price. You are not your own. God hasn't made you for dissipation. He has made your life to produce something eternal. He has made you to change history. There are people you're going to touch, things you're going to touch that have ripple effects through history and people's lives. So you're not going to be able to stay on the wrong direction for long. Come on. You have been ruined for sin. You have been ruined for sin. It will never be as fun. <laughs> Although, sin's pleasurable for a season. Give it a few years, the same people that had fun and sin. You'll see it wreaks destruction. They just don't know it at the time. But at the time, you'll know it. You won't have pleasure in any of it. Come on. Jonah 1, 14 through 16. They decide we've got to throw Jonah overboard. He's the reason. So Jonah actually tells them, you know, yes, this is the true God. I'm disobeying him. And guess what? All the sailors who previously didn't even know about God, they all believe. They believe. They get Old Testament saved. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Because their words totally change now, right? So they start saying, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Let me tell you, even in Jonah's disobedience, people were getting saved. Old Testament saved, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> even in his disobedience, God is creating miracles and drawing people to himself. Sometimes in the rhythm of our own lives, we forget how important the presence of God is and how it affects everything around us. We get used to it. We get accustomed to it. And you forget there are people in pain all around us. There are people dealing with incredible amounts of brokenness with zero hope all around us. And you could even be having a bad day carrying the presence of God. And there's still something about you. Come on. Sometimes you're complaining about God and they get more hope out of your complaints. Someone's touched them. Listen, for the sake of the righteous, God will do unbelievable things. And you cannot forget who you are. If you have given your life to God, you are the righteous. For the sake of the righteous, he saves whole cities.
He's talking to Abraham. Listen, Sodom and Gomorrah going to be destroyed. But if you could even find 10 righteous, I'll save both cities. For 10 righteous. Rahab was a prostitute. Like active. Her dance card was full that day. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, oh, she's a prostitute. Now here's the amazing testimony. Like she was doing her business. She ran into the spies, the Israelite spies, who were going to come and take their city. Come on. And she was like, oh, whatever you have, I know it's real. Whatever I've been doing my whole life, I don't really care. I need what you have. (laughs) And within a 24-hour period, she goes from prostituting herself to a believer. And then God says, man, your faith, your faith is amazing. I'll save whoever you want to save, Rahab. Anyone you love, your family, people you love, you get them in your house, I'll save every single one of them. Whoever you can squish into your house, I'll save them. They will not be destroyed with the rest of your city. And so the walls fall down, but there's one little piece of wall still standing where Rahab's house was. And she's got that scarlet, right, that scarlet cloth hanging out of her wall, so they'll know. This is where the prostitute lives who believes in God. Come on. For the sake of the righteous. She'd been righteous for like five minutes. And he's like, yep, for you. This is what I'll do. Hundreds of years later, you have people who are descendants of David. Hundreds of years after David died. And God will say things like, oh, because of your father David, I'm not going to kill you today. Come on. You are the righteous. What is God doing through your life? What are the ways you're living small where you could be building and not even trying? Where the yoke would be easy, the burden would be light? So these guys get saved even though Jonah's in total rebellion. Now Jonah is going to go through hell. You imagine you're in the middle of a sea. You've been thrown out. That's a pretty hopeless place to be. Um, We were taking a team over to Kenya, I think. Yeah, Kenya. We're going to build Africa. Oh, anyway, we're going to Kenya. We did like, that's where we did the healing stuff. It was really cool. We had a medical clinic and we helped build this orphanage thing. Anyway, some of you were there. And I took my son, Luke, who was seven at the time. And I don't know what it was. I think it was having a kid with me that was my own. I started getting really like, um, I got a little, um, what do you call it? Paranoid. I don't, I don't know. I'm not an anxious person by nature. But I started thinking about, like, what if we crashed, right? Uh, how would you... Normally, I'd be like, oh, I'll just go to heaven. Now I'm thinking, like, I have a kid. What would I do? So I started thinking, well, if we crashed, we'd be more likely to crash on a Kenyan airline than an American airline. So where do the Kenyan airlines... Okay, we'll be over water. It's warm water, so we can survive that, right? <laughs> and I looked up where you could buy rafts like self-inflating rafts that are like this big. I thought I could put my backpack, so I'll have a raft. And then you can buy like a, um, a signal thing. And I thought I'll have the raft in my backpack and the signal thing. So if we crash, 
we'll have a boat, we'll have a signal, they could find us. I was going through all this stuff. And my husband's like, you need to stop. <laughs> you need to stop. But I was just thinking of like all the, oh, and you have to have like a cloth because you've got to really put over your boat because it'd be really hot sun, right? The northern part of Africa. It'd be, anyway, I had like all these things I was going to put my backpack on this missions trip for the crash. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> But the idea of being out at sea, right? With even that, I thought I could make it. And just being honest, my son, Luke, who is seven, he's like no fat on him. None. Like if, it's, if he had 2% body fat, I'd be shocked. There's no fat on him. And that, this is the problem. Then you have no buoyancy. <laughs> so I'd even thought, if I laid on my back, I think I can float. <laughs> <laughs> but could I put him on my body and still float? I don't think so. We need the boat. <laughs> this was my thinking. <laughs> this is my thinking. But the idea of being out at sea by yourself with no one coming, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Jonah's about to go to hell. <laughs> a hell of his own making. <laughs> but it's the how that we all go through when we've chosen the wrong path knowingly and we thought we got away with it. Right? How many of you have been there? I know this is not what God wants, but I'm doing it anyway. And you think you get away with it. Oh, there's a hell you walk through to not die there. Are you with me? You know what I'm talking about? But here's the deal. God is still there. So Jonah thought, I'm going to run away from God. I'm going to go to Tarshish. But man, he finds himself in the middle of the ocean, and isn't he glad he can't run away from God? Isn't he glad God is still there? <clears throat> Jonah says, I'll flee from the presence of God. But even in hell... God is there. Psalm 139. Where can I go from your presence, O God? Where can I flee from you? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will be not dark to you. The night will shine like day because the darkness is as light to you. Here's what I tell you. If you've got a situation in your life, you're like, it's, I'm the wrong path. I've even done something that might be righteous, but I've not done it for the heart of the Father. I haven't done the right way. I'm getting crushed under it. Even in the darkest place, he is still there. You cannot run from him. You cannot hide from him. You might resent that he's there while you're in the boat and everything seems fine, but everything won't be fine forever, and you'll be so glad he didn't leave you. Okay, we're out of time, <laughs> and we have a lot of story left. <laughs> no, it'll, it'll be too long. 
let me finish the story for you. Especially those of you that you're new to the faith, you've not heard the story. God sends a whale, swallows up Jonah, which if you watch the news this week, you saw it can happen, right? That guy's fins are sticking out of that whale's mouth. Um, he sends this whale, and for three days, Jonah is in hell. And he begins to pray to God, and God causes this whale. It doesn't say it's a great fish. It doesn't say whale. It's a great fish. God, sends, God has this great fish throw him up on the sand, takes him right to, right to dry land, throws him up, and guess what? He's in walking distance of Nineveh. <laughs> it's a long walk, but it's walkable. <laughs> Listen, sometimes we say no to God in church, and the next time we have a chance to say yes, it's the hospital bed. We just say it should say yes when we have the chance, right? Okay. So Jonah goes to Nineveh. And God um, reiterates, here's my message for them. You're wicked, repent. You're wicked, repent. Mm. But this time Jonah's going to do it. So he goes to Nineveh. Who knows what he expected? Maybe he expected to be killed. I don't know what he expected. But just like Casey going to preach to ISIS, Casey goes in and says, listen, guys, you're super wicked. And you've got to repent, because you're, you're going to hell. That's what's happening. And you're creating a hell on earth for people, so you've got to stop. That's his message. And he just shouts it everywhere he goes. He's not even like trying to do any kind of friendship evangelism. He's not like, hey, I brought some muffins. Can I talk about Jesus? It's like, oh, you are wicked. And guess what happens? It says, everyone repents. From the king down to the youngest person, the spirit of God, it reverberates in them. And they have a chance to say yes or no. And guess what? Every single person in Nineveh gets saved. One of the greatest cities of the ancient world. Every single person in that very short time period gets saved. Every single one. And they're like crying out to God or ripping their clothes and Ash is repenting, you know. It's not like this modern repentance, which is really transparency. Hey, I'm screwed up. Oh, I am too. Okay, cool. We're screwed up together. No, it's repentance that says, I'm not going to stay screwed up. I am turning from, <laughs> I'm turning from screwed up. Do this, right? They repent. And so the end of Jonah, the last part of Jonah, We just skipped three pages. Here we go. Jonah chapter four. Verse one. God, Jonah goes outside the city. He doesn't even wait for the repentance. He goes outside the city. It's hot. He's in a desert. And he's waiting for God to send down punishment. He's not, even gonna, like, he's not even waiting to pray with them, like maybe something will happen here. He's like, I'm out of here because God's about to destroy you. And what happens? Lo and behold, they repent, and there's no destruction. And Jonah says, I knew it. I knew it. 
I knew it. Your goodness led him to repentance. Awesome for you, God. The sun's beating down. He's really hot. And God sends this little plant to grow over him like a miracle. And so this leafy plant, he's able to get some shade. And so he can be bitter in shade. And Jonah chapter 4 says this. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. He became angry. And he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? I knew you weren't going to destroy him. I knew you were going to save him. Didn't I tell you, God? What is, what is the point of being called to be a prophet if you don't want people to be saved? Right? Then it's just about being right, isn't it? If you don't care that the person gets exposed to the glory of God and finds salvation in him, that our works for God are about being right, aren't they? Not about the heart of the Father. And so God sends this leafy plant. It gives Jonah shade. He's bitter. And the next day, guess what happens when high noon comes? The plant shrivels. His miracle plant shrivels and dies. And he's like, are you kidding me? The one good thing you've done for me, like a million people just got saved. The one good thing you've done, and you've taken it away. And God says to him, Jonah, you care more about this plant that you had nothing to do with making than you do about an entire city full of people. You care more about this one stupid comfort thing that you had nothing to do with making then you deal with the fact that a city that was dying is now saved. And we know Jonah must have come around because he told someone the bad story about himself <laughs> or wrote it. But come on, what a challenge us. What are we building? And why are we building it? How much of our lives are about comfort, getting what we want so we can make it through another day? and feel comfortable? And how much of our life is about Jesus? Whatever you're doing, I'm doing. I don't care if you take me to Nineveh. I don't care if you take me to the desert. I don't care if you, right? If I don't get to watch my favorite show. God's going to give us opportunities. There's low-hanging fruit everywhere. There's people all around us who need Jesus, who need a glimpse of the glory of God. They need to see what you carry, which is the presence and I guarantee you, almost every single opportunity you have, almost every single Jonah opportunity that you have to minister is going to be inconvenient. <laughs> so what do we really want? What are we building? What are you building with your life? What am I building with my life? And why? Why? Would you stand? Pretty, would you come on up? Would you come on up?
This is my prayer today. Father, give us your heart. Give us your heart. Even as we do righteous things, give us your heart for doing them. Help us to see our life as a vapor. And there are people all around us. The fields are white for harvest. The problem isn't that people don't want Jesus. There aren't enough laborers, is what Jesus says. So, Father, speak to our hearts. Some of you, you have a heart to do great things for God. You're willing to go anywhere and do anything. And God has you in a season that feels like a pause. That's frustrating, isn't it? So I ask him, God, what am I building right now? What am I building when I don't see the action? What am I building? Because I guarantee you he's building something that you're going to need for the next thing. Let's take time to respond to God. If you're sick in body, feel free to come and get prayer. If you've got a need in your heart you brought with you, there's folks that can pray with you on this side, like in back on both sides. And then maybe God just stirs something up in you from the word today. Do business with him. Say it out loud. Agree with somebody in prayer. You can pray with any of our prayer team. If you want to pray with someone near you, every believer in the house has the kingdom without measure. So feel free to do that too. Let's take some time to respond to God. Amen.
shelter I was an orphan Now you call me Citizen of hell When I was broken You were my healing Now your love Is the air that I'm breathing I have a future My eyes are open Cause when you call my name Come on, sing it out I ran out of that
we just declare over our lives <laughs> that we have the mind of Christ. We declare that we hear your voice and our spirit responds. And our feelings <laughs> get in line <laughs> behind our spirit and do what they are meant to do. Father, we declare that we are trees planted by good water. We bring forth fruit in season. And the leaves don't wither, they prosper. We declare that we are hungry for your presence and we will be filled. Father, give us your eyes this week. What do you see? How do we partner with you? Give us eyes to see it, Father. Would you pray with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. This Wednesday, we finish up the epistles of Peter. So if you want to come 6 o'clock on Wednesday, would you encourage somebody? Would you encourage somebody before you go? Hug somebody. Meet someone you don't know. Amen. God bless you. Love you.